Okay, welcome to the New Year's special here right. on the Sheepdogs podcast. Welcome everyone. Today we have a very special guest here with us, uh, Father Jonathan Meyer. It is a great honor to be with the two of you. Welcome, Father. Honor to be with you every time. Yeah. Amen. We're excited to have you. Yeah, we've been, Johnny and I have been uh, excited to have Father Meyer on for a long time. Uh, he's my spiritual director, but also he's kind of like a life coach for some of us, which is great because we're talking about habits today, and we're always excited to learn from him. He's uh, a track coach himself on the side at East Central High School, and he's a priest, uh, co-pastor with another priest of seven churches here in Guilford, Indiana. So we're excited to dive into this today. So welcome again, Father, and uh, let's just start with a prayer. Awesome. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise as we enter into this new year, 2022. We're excited for all the gifts uh, that you have for us, but also pray that we can continually receive those well and anticipate those and continually build good habits in our lives that we could serve you uh, ever more uh, better. And we ask all this in Jesus' holy name through Mother Mary as we pray. Hail Mary. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Education is easy, and that's one thing, but behavioral change is a whole nother beast. Jesus talked about this himself a little bit in the Sermon on the Mount in the last couple lines when he said, uh, those who hear these words and don't act on them are those who like build their house on sand versus those who hear these words and act on them are those who build their house on rock, a firm foundation. How have you seen as a priest um, or as a coach, you know, um, the difference between people just hearing words and, and people that actually change their behavior, allow themselves to be transformed. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, we're just going to start off really, really big. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Johnny, that was a, a great question. But yeah, I, I often talk to people when I talk about coaching or even just like living a virtuous life. Like I, I cannot play basketball. I mean, I, I could play basketball, but I'm not very good at it. And I could read a whole bunch of books about basketball, but there's something radically different about knowledge and then actually putting something into practice, having it become something that we try to perfect and then becoming excellent at it. So there are a lot of atheists that know scripture really, really well. Mm-hmm. The devil knows all of scripture. There's something radically different between knowing about something and then actually putting it into practice and actually having to become part of who we are, which would become like a habit or practicing virtue in our life. So yeah, there's a huge difference between the two and the the transition from knowledge 
Uh, they often say that the longest journey is from the head to the heart. Mm-hmm. And then I would say from the heart flowing into your fingers and into your feet, into your voice. It's a long journey, but it's a journey that, that that's, what, that's what living is. If we really think about like, what do we exist for? We exist to live and to be fully alive. And a virtuous life is someone who's living their life fully alive. And to settle for anything else is really to just accept a life of mediocrity. Mm-hmm. One of my great fav- favorite quotes of, of Pope Benedict XVI, uh, happily living in the Vatican Gardens, uh, is, you know, you were not made for mediocrity, you were made for greatness. You know, the world will convince you to live a life of mediocrity. The world will convince you to live a life of comfort, but you weren't made for comfort. You were made for greatness. Mm-hmm. And so much of our life, and I mean, if we, even if, we, if you just look at like the Christmas presents that you were given this past year, like the vast majority of them are probably tied to comfort. Mm-hmm. Whether it be food, which is pleasure, whether it be some new device, which is supposed to make your life easier, like so much of our life is consumed with comfort. And we weren't made for comfort. We were made for greatness. We were made to thrive. So I don't know if that was a really long answer to your question, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I think so, that's really good though. I was uh, just swimming uh, earlier this week with my dad and my brother and at the gym they had this quote about, you know, if you really want to make a change in your life, you have to take on a challenge in your life, you know? So you have to experience some of that discomfort in order to grow in this life of grace or grow uh, just physically too, right? So I guess following that, we need to put those habits in our lives uh, of making ourselves uncomfortable or doing those things regularly in order to grow, you know, just like exercising, working out. So I think, the, yeah, nothing in our life that is ever worth anything mm-hmm. came through comfort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our own birth Mm-hmm. came through a heck of a lot of discomfort right college students that are listening to this like you you don't get an A on a test because of comfort right. you get an mm-hmm. A on a test because you put the work in and then through that there's a reason to rejoice and celebrate if you cheat on an exam and get an A there isn't a sense of reward mm-hmm. there isn't a sense of like oh my gosh this is amazing like I got an A you cheated right. like if you, when you get an A on a test because you cheated, you're just like, okay, let's, how, how long until I get found out? Mm-hmm. So yeah, this, the goal of life is to, is to say, how do I embrace discomfort or how do I embrace challenge? And then through that challenge the, that I become who God is calling me to be. And, you know, new years are great opportunities to do all that. Mm. Yeah, going, going deeper into that challenge aspect, uh, I was, you've done a lot of sermons on change your habits, change your life. Uh, I was doing some watching those videos. Um, I was also reading a book called Atomic Habits. Habits. Yeah, it's a great and, book. Uh, it talks about in there how when you're trying to change a habit, there's three different things, process, outcome, and then that deeper identity. Um, and he, he talks about like if you believe you're a disorganized person, but then uh, say you practice this habit of being organized for a week, after a week you're going to quit because as soon as start, things start to get messy, you're going to start to think, oh, I'm just a disorganized person. And you talked about this a little bit uh, growing up, how you said you had a speech impediment, actually, and that that uh, you believed that you know I'm dumb, I can't I can't speak right, um, and how changing that belief in yourself really helped you transform uh, that habit. Could you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, so in, in the psychological world, we refer to it as self-talk. Hmm. So what I tell myself is really, really important. So I'm dumb, I'm stupid, I'm lazy, uh, I'm not a morning person. That was a, like, that was a huge self-talk of myself. I'm not a morning person. Uh, when I was a little kid, like literally like all through high school, like my family knew like you never talked to Jonathan in the morning. <laughs> and it was, I, I look back at it, it's just like, it's so absolutely silly. But <clears throat> I told myself, and then my family supported my habit of not wanting to be up in the morning, not wanting to be charitable or merciful or nice mm -hmm. or kind. And then other people support your bad habits. I mean, this is the same thing with drinking, with drugs. With, like when you choose a bad habit, you'll find people who will support you in your habit, mm -hmm. no matter what the habit is. So like, there's accountability for every habit. You can say, like, I need accountability because I want to go and work on the gym every day with my bro and my, and my dad. Or I want accountability because I'm going to do a push-up challenge. Uh, I want accountability to study in the library. You need to make sure that, you know, that I'm at this study table every single week. Uh, we have accountability for all of our habits. We have accountability for alcohol, for drinking, for smoking. I mean, like you have your smoking buddies at work that you smoke with on your breaks. And like, so, yeah, so, so much of, of what we are going to do is really a self-fulfilling prof prophecy in a certain sense. Hmm. I'm dumb. Well, then I'm going to cheat. I'm dumb. I'm not going to study. I'm going to give myself these crutches instead of saying, no, you want to what? I can do this and I do believe in this. And so that ability to, to, to have that knowledge that anything is possible with God, that all things work to his praise and to his glory. Uh, the people who have done the greatest things in this world are people who refuse to give up because they believe that there is something greater within them that God had given to them. And maybe they wouldn't express it that way. That's how I would express it as, as a Catholic priest. But mm -hmm. Yeah. Once again, God doesn't make us for mediocrity. God doesn't make us for minimalism. God doesn't make us for comfort. He makes us for something great. But we have to believe that first. Hmm. Is there a line between, like, I believe in myself to do it, to do this, to do what's God calling me to, and arrogance? And I think a lot of people sometimes, they... they confuse that as, as oh, that guy, you know, he's just arrogant, he's prideful, but really it's, it's just a belief in yourself or in God to accomplish whatever it is you're setting out to do. Yeah, so I just, uh, I don't know if any of you have seen the movie American Underdog that just came out recently. I just saw it last night, yeah. actually. Okay, so great, great story. Uh, it's the story of, of uh, Kurt Warner, Super Bowl champion, and as a little kid, he says, I'm going to I'm going to be great. And he ultimately is like, you know, doesn't make it, uh, doesn't even get drafted to the NFL. Well, he gets drafted to the NFL technically, but gets kicked off the team. And, and he's, he's, he's a grocery store clerk stocking groceries, you know, on the night shift. And he ends up being ultimately a Super Bowl champion. And there is this sense of like, I don't think it's pride. Uh, I think, yes, I think pride is when it becomes like selfish and narcissistic and when we're doing this for my own glory instead of like, no, like God, this is possible. And I, I believe that these gifts are within me and these gifts are from God. And I don't think, I, I think the, the, the stories that inspire people are people who say, you want a lot. No, I believe this is possible. And I believe that, that God, now there are, there's, you know, it's ridiculous. Like, you know, 
you know, believing something that's completely crazy. I mean, I'm just going to like, it's 2021. Like, I'm a girl. Like, and so that's my goal. And that's why I, but no, that's, that's like not within nature. That's not within the order of God and how he made you and how he made me, uh, you know, for me to say like, Hey, I'm going to run a two minute mile. That's, that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Like literally it's ridiculous. So there are things that we're bound by, by nature, by biology, but, but like to say that, you know, no, to say like, I can't author a book. That's probably a lie. I can't, you know, lose 20 pounds. That's probably a lie. Mm-hmm. You know, things are possible if we're willing to actually, I can't change my, my relationships. No, you, you can. Mm-hmm. And uh, are we open to really doing the work that's necessary for that change? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so good too. Yeah. Think of, uh, that word magnanimity, right? That we're oh. called to, to just use all of our talents. Because we think about, right, the end of the, the end of our lives, we're going to show up before the Lord. And he wants us to use everything. You know, that's how we want to be at the end of our lives. Like, we spend it all, we use everything as much as we possibly could. Because I think sometimes we can get in this mindset, Johnny and I were talking on the way here, about sometimes we over-spiritualize things, you know, and think like, okay... Uh, or I've found this in my own life, maybe some others or students at times, but you know, like if I just focus on the spiritual, you know, that could be enough or that'll get me there. But there's just so much more than just that aspect of life. So maybe you can speak into that. Yeah. So magnanimity, like the fact that you just mentioned, like genuinely, that's like in my top five favorite words in the whole entire world that people don't use at all. And particularly in the priesthood, like Mm -hmm. just like this is probably not a podcast for priests, but maybe who knows? Priests do not strive for magnanimity. Mm. And the church doesn't strive for magnanimity anymore. Like we used to want to go out and convert the whole entire world. And now we're more like saying like, yeah, like wherever you're at, like it's fantastic. And like if you're a Jew, that's great. And if you're a Muslim, that's great. And if you're an atheist, that's great. And if you believe in Eastern spirituality, that's great. No, like we believe that we have the greatest thing in the whole entire world. And his name is Jesus. And he's a person and he loves you and he died for you. And like we should want everybody to know him. Like that's just like point blank done. And like we should strive to convert the whole entire world. And it's I'm a fool if I don't think that like God wants to use me to like do amazing thing in other people's lives. And like I'm a fool if I don't believe that like my parish is called to be an instrument to like go and change the lives of every single person in my parish. And like I should strive to say like my parish is going to be absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Like no, not, not my parish isn't going to be like the parish next door. My par- like that's not pride. That's just saying like, no, like we are going to strive for absolute greatness uh, in the, in, in these realms. So like the same is true, like as a student, like, no, like I believe that God is calling me in my own unique way to be an amazing student, to be an amazing brother or sister to my, to my friends, to be an amazing parent to, and we, we just settle so often. I had a meeting really early this morning with a woman who's, Life is very, 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 very broken. And um, Father Jacob was just speaking about how sometimes we over-spiritualize things. And we do. And like, grace builds on nature. A basic principle of life is grace builds on nature. And I ultimately like told this woman, like, you need to go and get counseling. 
Like you can go to confession every day and you can like spend two hours in adoration every single day. But the reality is like you need psychological and emotional counseling. Mm -hmm. Like your marriage isn't going to change until you guys start dealing with your stuff that's in the bones of your relationship. And from that, God's grace can work. But like if we don't ever like deal with nature, like grace builds on nature, like you have to ultimately go to that realm. And so key to to changing your life changing your habits a lot of like where it is in the spiritual life is ultimately what happens in the natural realm and the natural order and like the ability for us to that's why as crazy as it is like when we speak about like wellness which a lot of like orthodox catholics will start to be like oh we're getting into like some sort of like fuzzy, warm, uh, ridiculous idea. Like, yeah, new age, like, here's the wellness wheel. But you want to what? It's actually true. If you don't go to bed on time and you don't wake up on time, you are going to get your prayers in. Like, if you're sleeping through your holy hour, if you're sleeping through your rosary, if you don't have time management skills to get the prayers in, to make it to daily mass, you aren't going to be praying well. Uh, if I don't have a schedule to be able to like say, hey, you want to what? I'm going to do charitable things. I'm going to help out at the soup kitchen or the food pantry or I'm going to just go out and evangelize. If you don't have your ability to like maintain a schedule, you aren't going to get that done either. If you aren't physically taking care of yourself, you aren't going to be able to like, there's a huge difference in my life. And I, I work out with my athletes and I do like, but I know like if, if, if for some reason I haven't run two days in a row, like I, I'm not on my A game. Like, physically like God made us like grace builds on nature like we are we're not angels so our physical bodies and how we treat them and how we eat how we drink how we sleep how we rest how we exercise it really does it is it is a big balance and like that's why like looking at things in a comprehensive sense really does matter and we're going to change our habits and change our life mm-hmm. that's that's really good I, I, I think a lot of times people people at least this is for me that you hear these words like magnanimity and you're super inspired and i want to be a magnanimous person and then by the way that's a hard word to say that you just said i just want to give you like props for that like that was really good thank you you're welcome you're welcome appreciate that (laughs) um yeah and so but then when it gets down to it on a practical level where do i start where can i start to become a magnanimous person I said it again. And um, in one of your homilies a couple of years ago, you talked about five things that you can do to uh, change your habits, change your life. Maybe we can't go into all of them, but I'm going to list them. And then maybe I want to talk about the first one, which is daily routine, okay? Embracing life, guarding your thoughts, doing something, and then gratitude, spirit of gratitude. Um, but could you talk about real quick daily routine? Why is that so important? And Starting January 1, New Year 2022, how can we implement a daily routine that can help us live a virtuous life? Wow. That's, uh, you have been going way back in time on some of those homilies there, Johnny. Let me just, uh, let me just start there. That's, uh, uh, I hardly remember that one. And uh, I think half of my people were sleeping in the midst of it. So, but glad things on video. Uh, daily routine is huge. So I'm just going to, I have a young lady in my parish. She is a religious sister. And she just left yesterday wow, to join the cloister. 
So Mm -hmm. in her religious community, there are active religious sisters, but then some of them make the choice uh, and are called by the religious community to enter into uh, the enclosure. So she's literally dying to the world for the rest of her life, and she's not going to leave the monastery. And bringing this up, we had a little breakfast yesterday uh, for parishioners just to kind of like have a Q&A and have an opportunity to be with her before she left. And um, it's really interesting. Uh, during the q and I asked a question like, what is your daily routine like? So let's, let's, let's just say for a second that the religious life, particularly cloistered religious sisters, live an ideal life. Let's say that monks in a monastery live an ideal life. Their life is an absolute routine. Now, I'm not talking about some sort of crazy OCD, like, that's nuts. I'm talking about a routine of life which allows you then actually to enter into life. Mm-hmm. A routine of life allows you to enter into life because it's not this sporadic confusion of what's happening here and what's happening there. And, like, it changes here and changes there. And I really don't know what I'm doing. And the routine of life, this is why... Statistics and data are showing right now children that, not because of any decision of their own, but children that are in divorced families where children are being bounced back and forth and there is not a consistent routine of life, that these children are struggling socially, academically, because that routine of life is so important for someone to actually then enter into life and enter into relationships in a very, very powerful and beautiful way. So a daily habit and a daily routine of life helps you to actually thrive in life. Mm -hmm. We were made not to be machines and we were not made to, you know, just like, like I said, some sort of OCD crazy structure. But the reality is, is like, when you do like certain spiritual programs, you go on a retreat, there's a clear schedule. And in fact, like when you go like on a silent retreat, there's a very clear schedule. There's the liturgy of the hours. There's, for those of you who have ever embarked on Exodus 90, one of the things that I think is so key for people that do Exodus 90 or the female version, Magnify 90, they require that you get seven hours of sleep. That is a game changer for a lot of people. Like that people have a regular time that they go to bed, a regular time that they wake up, a regular time every single day where this is the consecrated time that I pray with the Lord. Uh, one thing that I always talk about people is like, if you aren't going to bed on time, you're not waking up on time, you're, you, you, when are you going to pray? Like that, having that ability to say, okay, I wake up every single day at 5.30, I do whatever I do, and then from 5.45 until 6.45, I'm, I'm praying. And that, that ability to have that routine and that regularity is is so, so very, very important. You know, whether it be like, a, am I going to pray the Angelus every single day? Am I going to pray the Rosary every single day? When is that going to happen? Not just the fact of like, I'm going to pray the Rosary every day for the next 365 days. Okay. When? Where? Like, we have to actually... The, the smaller steps that get to the bigger goal are, are the, the foundational things. When is that going to happen? And where is that going to happen? And how is that going to happen? So a daily routine, a daily habits are quintessential to living, yeah, a beautiful life. Hmm. Okay, so I'm going to spin it around here. 
say you do develop daily routine, you develop a strict calendar. There, you talked about this a little bit, this in your early priesthood, how you didn't own your calendar, your calendar owned you. Um, how can we, on the opposite end, make sure that this rule of life or these habits that we do implement don't start to own us, that we still own everything we do? Yeah, so everything has to be like a free choice and a free gift. So I am constantly in my life eval- evaluating and reevaluating even the own habits and structures that I have in my own life to say, is this helping me to thrive? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not... I'm not foolish enough to say, well, what I decided when I was 40 is the exact same that needs to happen when I'm 45. Uh, I just, my, my assignment just changed exactly six months ago, actually. January 7th will be the six month anniversary. And I'm now the pastor of four parishes with seven different church buildings. And the last six months have been me trying to say, okay, new environment. I need a new daily routine. and a new understanding of how I need to adapt. Mm-hmm. I can't, once again, it can't be some sort of like OCD insistence that like, this is how it has to be. Or like, I can't struck. There needs to be the freedom to say, okay, what are my basic principles? My principles are this. I need to exercise every single day. I need silence every single day. I need consecrated time with the Lord in front of the blessed sacrament. I need devotion to our lady. I need to eat well. I need good re- relationships with friends. All of those are like the pillars that we can look at in our life and we should you know, list those out somehow. How, but the framework that they, that they might take place, uh, an individual who is single in college, their daily routine is gonna look very different than a mother of six. Hmm. A priest's life is gonna be different than a layman's life. A monk's life is different than a religious sister's life. So we have to look at our particular vocation, how we're living at that moment, but that routine of way of life, the, the, the routine that I have when I'm, when I'm on retreat is different than when I'm with my, I, I go on a reunion every single year with some of my classmates. The way that I live my life when I'm on that, that fraternity week with, those, with my bros is different than how I live my life. So what are the circumstances in my life and how do I adopt? to make sure that I'm still doing what I need to do to thrive as a creature of God. Hmm. Does that help answer that question? Absolutely. So good. So good. Yeah. yeah. And so maybe to help intimate some of these things on the practical side, like what tips do you have for people to make habits happen, you know, to really make a life change? This is a great question. I think that the, the, the first question there is assessment. Hmm. So with any organization, whether it be a business, a restaurant, or a family, or an individual. The only way that you grow is by assessing, looking at our weaknesses, and then turning those weaknesses into steps for growth. Mm. That is how organizations, every organization, any business, any school, any institution, but also any individual, and thus a Christian who wants to be a saint, There needs to be that assessment, that very brutal analysis, and then the commitment to attack those areas of weakness and turn those areas of weakness into areas of virtue. Mm -hmm. And thus the ability for us to know, like, this is where the great gifts of the intellectual role of the church for throughout the ages of what what is a vice 
And then what is, what's its opposite virtue? And then how do I actually take basic steps? So, you know, if I, if I, if I assess my life and I'm like, gosh, I really am. And you like the seven deadly sins are great ways to like, look at this. Like, gosh, I really am a glutton. I eat too much food. I really am a sloth. I don't ever actually do much with my life. I don't ever exercise. I don't use my body. I don't like, so to look at those pillars in our life, to look at those things in our life and to say, okay, how do I, where's the assessment, like honestly, brutal assessment of my life. And then from that, how do I make changes? And on that topic of change, I'd like to point out that today is December 31st, two, uh, 2021. I'm sitting here with my bro, Father Willig, and today we've accomplished this crazy goal of doing 66,795 push-ups. We haven't finished, I haven't done a push-up yet today, by the way. Have you no, done? I haven't either. Okay, no. man. <laughs> High five. 365 to go. Yeah, so, but, one of the one of the great lessons of this of this challenge is that the majority of people will fail epically on December thirty first in making a New Year's resolution because the New Year's resolutions they will make will be too big for them to handle. Mm-hmm. And so, if I would have tried on January first, two thousand and twenty one, to do three hundred sixty five push ups, I would have failed. Mm-hmm. Not only would I have failed, but I would have probably hurt myself. And so, the ability to take a very very small step. But the consistency part is actually the part that is actually so key, like to just be consistent and to be faithful. So in this push-up challenge, it was that you start on January 1st with one, January 2nd, two, January 3rd, three, and you just keep going to 365, but you only add one push-up every single day because you can do that. You can, what's one more? Mm-hmm. So when we look at like, okay, like, gosh, I'm looking at my life. I just did an assessment. Like I never read books. I never like challenge my mind intellectually. Like if you're a student in college and this isn't most likely your problem, but like, let's just say that that's the problem. Let's say like you graduate from college and you're like, gosh, I haven't read a book in four years. Mm-hmm. Okay. To say that I'm going to read six books this year might like that really must, might not be the best decision. But to say that I'm going to read one page a book every single day, like I can hold myself to accountability to that. I can tell my friends about that. And I can like move in that in, 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 in those realms. So I think like to take the ultimate, like what is the virtue I'm trying to grow in? What is the goal? What are the steps to like grow in, the, in virtue in that area? And then how do I break it down into very, very small incremental steps to bring myself to, right. to virtue? That's so good. And it's so good. And I know you mentioned this uh, just now and I often tell the students the importance of it too, but having all that reinforcement too in our goals, right? So you just mentioned like telling other people yeah. about it, right? Or like writing it down. Yeah. And I know you're always preaching that and I am too, but uh, just the, how it helps us to accomplish our goals, right? Yep. When we tell someone else, keep us accountable, when we write it down. Uh, so all these things can be so helpful in keeping our habits and other, helping others to grow too in that, so. I think it's, yeah, no, you, you, and you named them all there, writing them down, talking to someone else, sharing what is happening in your life by that virtue and grace, Mm -hmm. which is evangelization, and then trying to help others to do it as well. Mm -hmm. Like, I think if you look at that progression, you'll see like, wow, that's actually, I'm actually not only transforming my own life, but now like I actually want to help transform other people's lives. Like that's part of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right, giving witness. My, I overheard my friend Isai if he's listen, if he listens to this, 
just walking down the hallway, he was talking to his friend on the phone, and he was just explaining how, uh, oh man, like it just gives me so much peace and, and joy, and ex- explaining his time in adoration in Mass. Yeah. And it was like, wow, yeah, that is evangelization, describing what you do and, and the fruits, because mm-hmm. most people, they want the fruits of peace and joy, they just don't know where to find it, mm-hmm. and they're looking in all these different places. And I think when you begin, so go back to self-talk, and this is, I'm not trying to be some sort of psychological mumbo-jumbo, This is not what this is about. This is just about truth. When you begin to verbalize your experience of said activity, not only you're hearing yourself say that actually is really, really powerful. Because oftentimes we don't, it's why it's like small groups are important. You have to verbalize actually what you experience and you actually saying it mm. confirms within you what you possibly never took the time to actually put into words. So it's, it's why it's important like when you do like a group Bible study or like you do like kind of like group Lexio and you read the Bible and scripture together and then you're like, you're verbalizing that like oftentimes you would just read that scripture on your own and actually not take the time to actually verbalize what God actually stirred in your heart. But when you do verbalize it, it actually then becomes part of you, but also has the ability to affect other people's lives. Mm-hmm. So that verbalization process in that, however you want to mention that, like it really is important. Because that is you ultimately speaking about what God is doing in your heart, which we as Catholics particularly often keep in our hearts and we don't share, mm-hmm. which is actually not good. So like it would be awesome if every time there was someone to adoration that they were verbalizing to other people like, oh my gosh, like I have so much more peace or I have so much more joy or you want to walk into adoration today and I'm a wreck. But it's a good wreck because uh, I was with the Lord. And I wasn't by myself being a wreck. Uh, and I find grace in that. I think this could be a good way to kind of wrap it up with a final question here. Um, you talk about how, how this can actually affect other people's lives. And I think this is gets to the urgency factor of why changing our habits are so important. Mm-hmm. I was reading this book about how a priest one time, like he, he went to a family's dinner table and he he didn't have good table manners and it actually really hurt like evangelizing I can't get that word evangelization evangelization of one of the family members and how his lack of self mastery could wound the church Um, can you talk about how like changing our habits help us to become self masters and therefore can actually help the church thrive yeah, wow, that's a great, great question. And I just, the scripture passage that just came to my mind is St. Paul saying, you know, a being all things to all people and that ability for us to be able to enter into any situation and engage. When I was in high school, my history teacher, Mr. Black, who was a very arrogant, narcissistic man, uh, basketball coach and he had no problem telling everybody how great he was all the time like it was one of his things but a quote that he a quote that he said that has stuck with me my whole entire life is I don't know everything about everything but I know enough to be able to enter into conversation with anybody 
and that's what makes me as great as I am. And it was, it was, it was just, but I remember it just stuck with me. I was like, oh wow, that's actually really interesting. Like, I don't know everything about basketball. I don't know everything about football. I don't know, but I know enough to be able to enter into conversation in those realms. I, I mentioned that solely as like the, the fact of like, do we have the ability, if we're living our life genuinely to the full, like, do I have the ability to go into any situation, whether it be a fine dining situation, which we're speaking of here, whether it be in the realm of sports, whether it be in the realm of art, whether it be in the realm of music, but also whether it be in the realm of faith, whether it be in the realm of like crisis identity or crisis marriage, or do I have the ability to be fully alive to that person and to meet them where they're at in that situation? So what a grace it is in a very, in a very, very beautiful way to strive to be virtuous and to strive to change our habits in your life because that is where we're going to meet other people. We will meet other people either in our virtue or in our vice. And they will, we as proclaimers of the gospel have a responsibility to present Christ in every situation. And I truly do believe that like people should look at us, you know, the, 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 you know in the early gospels, you know, they will know that we are Christians by our love. So people should be able to look at us and say, he lives differently. What is it about them that they live differently? Why is it that they get up early and pray? Why is it they get up and crush their morning? Why is it they're disciplined and they actually go to bed on time? Remember when I was in, uh, when I was in seminary, actually in college seminary, a lot has changed in many years since college seminary. But I remember being in college seminary and uh, I made a decision at that point in my life. I didn't drink at all. I drank uh, like on my 21st birthday, I had one beer and I didn't drink again until I was 30 years old. And I, I really do remember like I, I drove some of my seminarian classmates to the point of, uh, of anger, uh, getting like arguments with them on this whole time. Like, but me not drinking actually drove them, some of them to like the point of like anger and insanity because there is this question like, why is he living differently? And what does that make me feel about myself? Ultimately, I was questioning, I made them question their own sometimes drunkenness, their inappropriate relationship to certain things in life. I'm not saying in this podcast that you shouldn't drink at all. In fact, St. Thomas Aquinas says that drinking is actually, that there's virtue within it. But what I'm saying is that like how we live our lives should challenge other people, not make them feel like, I'm not trying to say we should make people feel bad, but like if we're living our life right, people should be like, wow, they live their life differently. And there's something attractive about it. The freedom that they have, the freedom they have to say no to things that are bad for them and the freedom they have to say yes to the things that are good for them. Why don't I have that freedom? Why don't I have a freedom to say no to the pleasures that come to this world? But why don't I have the freedom to say yes to prayer or yes to charity or yes to service to my name? Why don't I have the freedom to say that? So our virtue and our life of habit is evangelization itself. St. Francis of Assisi, you know, 
the quoted or misquoted phrase of like, you know, preach the gospel always, if necessary, use words. Our life of virtue and our life of habit is the greatest, that, that is our witness. And it's ours. And we either own it or we don't. And for a many a Christian, they don't own it. I don't own it, as I should. And that's why I'm always assessing and I'm always constantly trying to do that assessment to say, okay, where do I need to go? As a coach, if I am not constantly looking at my athletes and saying, where are they weak right now and where they need to be built up, I, I, you epically fail as a coach. Mm-hmm. The, a good coach says, okay, this is the weakness. We're going to attack it this week and try to get back at it at the game this weekend or the meet this weekend or the match. A good coach is going to address your weaknesses. They don't need to, they don't need to address your greatnesses. But they need to address their weaknesses and they need to, they need to crush them. And that's not easy. It's hard. So, but with it comes victory and with it comes beauty and life. And that's what we long for in our hearts. And that's what God desires for us. So yeah, to use this new year, 2022, to be able to say, okay, assessment, analysis, and now I'm going to crush it. I'm not going to like take on some silly New Year's resolution that means nothing to my life. That's not going to really address who I know I'm really called to be. And I would just have to say, like, if you're listening to this on like January 10th, like that means nothing compared to whether you listened to it, listen to it on January 1st. Like I actually tell people all the time that like you shouldn't set goals until you're ready to set a goal. Mm-hmm. And the goals that are often set on January 1st are the worst goals for that person because they haven't done the assessment and to really ask the question. In fact, you don't need New Year's resolutions to like start a goal like or a a commitment like that's every day every day is day one that's one of the one of my biggest phrases to all of my athletes every day is day one you make the choice to live the fullness of who you were called to be every day of your life and you have to start over every day because if you live with the same mindset that you lived yesterday you're, you're most likely settling mm-hmm. and that's not what god wants for him so every day is the opportunity to start over and begin again amen amen <laughs> so good. Well, thanks for those words, Father Meyer. Definitely, yeah, it's so good to just have the challenge, have the encouragement to remember we are made for greatness and to just take on this challenge. We want to encourage everyone, yeah, to just uh, think about those habits, dive deep this year, get someone to uh, keep you accountable, write down your goals, and uh, yeah, do assessment, of course, before that. And uh, thanks so much, Father Meyer, for your words of wisdom. You're very welcome. If I can just do a quick self-plug myself yeah my uh, my people here my, that run our social media here at all saints you know so if you go to all saints catholic.net all saints catholic.net you'll be able to get into we have a podcast we have uh also our youtube channel which is all saints we are one all saints we are one and we have daily homilies we also do an advent and lent program our advent and christmas advent and christmas program is called uh peace on earth and our easter Lent reflections are called Rise Up, and those can be sent to your inboxes every single day. Also, our push-up challenge, uh, you can join that as well uh, by texting PUSHUP to 84576. And uh, all that information can be found at allsaintscatholic.net. But just, we're always, uh, at All Saints, we are trying to help people live their greatest potential that God has for them. And so, whatever we can do to help journey. Uh, You're in good hands here, uh, without a doubt, with uh, Father Willig and Johnny Drew. So it's an honor to be with all of you today, but 
Great. Father, could you close us out in uh, prayer? That would be great. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, whose motherhood we celebrate as we close out 2021 and enter into 2022, we ask her intercession uh, upon us that we may be uh, good images of her Son, Jesus Christ, in our charity, in our mercy, but also in our daily living, in our habits, and in our virtues. So through your intercession, may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Sheep dogs. Sheep dogs. Ow.